where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years. What if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Hello, Craig's listeners. Um, this is a podcast uh, called Craig's List, of, of all things. And um, today we're going to discuss the movie Lolita, um, entirely in the voice of James Mason. Wow. For the whole time? <laughs> the whole hour? Well, c- clearly we've already broken that tradition. <laughs> Uh, because I was expecting that Carla would also talk like James Mason. Because oh, the, uh, it's because it's so fun to oh, do so. The we was the collective we. The we is the collective we. Don't you see? Yes. <laughs> give it a try, Carla. Give, so it, give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do voices. Oh, oh, Carla. Oh, Craig. You're so disappointing. I know. Uh, Life is tough. Well, I may ask you to do Shelly Winters later, so. Okay. You can pull that off, I think. You actually said while watching this movie (laughs) 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 that Shelly Winters would be very much in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, I meant this role. (laughs) This role. I didn't mean like. Not her general life. Yeah, like if there was a biopic of Shelley Winters, <laughs> it wouldn't be like Carla Kakowski has to do this role. Hollywood, let's make it happen. <laughs> it's time for that Shelley Winters biopic. Uh, I'm hi. drinking coffee while we're doing this because it's so early. That's fine. It's the it's morning. It's not even nine o'clock. It's, oh, yeah, it is. It's 9.04. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 9.04 somewhere. And uh, <laughs> as the saying goes... Uh, good morning, Craig's listeners. It, it may not be morning to you, but it's morning for us here in Los Angeles. And uh, we're going to discuss Stanley Kubrick's 1962 film Lolita. Lolita. This is the number 77 movie on Craig's list. Uh, I really thought I could keep up the James Mason throughout the whole episode, but, uh, but That's maybe not. That's tough on your voice. Uh, actually, it's very soothing. <laughs> Uh, Chris Tallman does the best James Mason of, uh, of anybody that I've heard. How would heard. you know that? Do you guys just get together and hang out and do James Mason? Boy, I wish. Uh, I could probably get that club going soon. I bet there's a lot of guys in LA would easily <laughs> sign up for that because everybody loves to impersonate James Mason, but Tallman is the best. Tallman will slip it into anything. I know he's done it on Spontaneous Nation multiple times. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I wonder if he did it when I was on with him and I didn't know that's what he was doing. <laughs> did he use a British accent? I don't remember. Okay. Uh, so this is a, uh, a Kubrick movie that's an adaptation of the great uh, Vladimir Nabokov novel. Is it great? The novel? Yeah. It's fantastic. And you know because you read it. When we first started dating, you were reading it. I remember and I was like, oh boy. (laughs) Who is this guy? Yeah, what's going on You're like, oh, he's so erudite and intellectually curious. I mean, I guess it's probably no surprise to the listeners that Craig reads a lot. You're always reading um, 
the great novels. You are, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, you re- you read books constantly, and it was such a change when I started dating you. I was like, because I had never dated a guy who read. <laughs> 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 Benny thought that was funny. <laughs> what were the guys that you dated before me interested in? Oh gosh, do we have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> okay. Movies, though. Movies, sure. Sure. Movies, uh, video games, <clears throat> lots of video game players in my generation. Mm. Maybe in yours too. Sure. Hey, we're guys. Guys are going to do guy things. But you've never played video games. Not, I've never. Not at home. <laughs> no. We don't have any video game consoles. I've not owned a video game console in 20 years. Yeah. But back in the day, I used to play a lot. Now the technology has gotten way past what my hands and mind are capable of doing. Yeah. Uh, so video games are something that totally bypassed me. I, I played video games when I was a kid. Uh, the guy that I dated before you played so many video games and one time he had paused his video game and I came in to watch something on TV and I turned it off and he was say he like freaked out. He was like, I was on the last board or whatever it's called. <laughs> the last, whatever it would have been. Level. Sure. Board. Level board. Sure. And I was like, and he was so, it was a huge fight. And that was a moment where I was like, oh yeah, this isn't, this isn't going to last. <laughs> no, I have plenty of other time waster activities. Sure. But just not video games. Crossword puzzles. Sure. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But when you first dated me, you're like, this guy reads. (laughs) (laughs) And now you find yourself having to watch a movie with me every week to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. Just yeah. Okay. So that's the story of Carla's life. Now, last week... Uh, when I was revealing that Lolita was our next movie, um, I was really dreading you having to watch it. But you had such a positive reaction to it. You're like, oh, I love Lolita. Yeah. I've seen it multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> and then in rewatching it, was this true, Carla? In rewatching it, I was like, oh, I think I've only seen half of this movie once. <laughs> <laughs> Why did, why did you think you'd seen it more than once? I don't know. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> and how long ago was it that you saw it? Probably 10 years ago. Okay. All the animals are shaking right now. Like they're all upset with me. <laughs> they're all like shaking out. Whatever. Shake it out, guys. Shake it, Shake out, it out, guys. Make lots of noise. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know what. In my mind, I had seen this. In college, probably, and then probably again a few years later, and that there's I a class it was great. At, there's a class at Second City uh, at the time where you had to watch a lot of movies and uh, read a lot of playwrights, yeah, right? So that you could improvise in the style of of these yes. directors or playwrights or whatever. <laughs> it's specifically to prepare for like movie styles games, yeah, for short form games. But it's like an intense, or it was an intense two month study of all these things. So I thought. I had probably seen this movie either then when I was taking that class or in college when I kind of sat down and watched a lot of movies that I had never really seen and was supposed to have seen. Anyways, as we were watching this one, I was, <laughs> we were like an hour and a half in and I'm like, oh, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I remember all the Shelley Winters stuff. Okay. So it could be that I did see the full movie. Yeah. And like she was the only thing that <clears throat> left a, a lasting impression. What did you re- remember about it? I remembered – well, the thing that I 
and I don't remember if I said this last week on the podcast or not, but I remembered thinking like this was a gross guy, a pervert who got what was coming to him at the end <laughs> so that I was okay with it. Yeah. But this movie's a lot. I don't know. I have a lot to talk to you about this and I don't, I'm not thrilled to talk about this movie, honestly, after having watched it again. <laughs> we have some stuff to talk about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On mic or off mic? On mic. Okay. Should I start now? Sure. Let's, let, well, let, let's give a little background to our listeners. This movie came out in 1962. Yep. Uh, I believe it was the sixth, uh, feature film directed by Stanley Kubrick. It was mostly made in England, uh, though he, uh, is an American director. And, uh, this is certainly before barriers were starting to break down in Hollywood, though they were in the early sixties making a, a number of serious films with, uh, adult themes, but that's still kind of coded in terms of what you could depict or, uh, what you could talk about. And, uh, Lolita is a novel about a pedophile, basically, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who's a middle-aged man who's obsessed with young girls and, uh, the novel is disturbing, uh, but also very entertaining. Uh, Nabokov is just known for his wordplay, and every sentence is like this little puzzle of alliteration and puns and all these literary references. And uh, for something that's disturbing, it's also very pleasurable to read. Uh, there's so many like little games that he word. plays with you. <laughs> challenging interesting okay and uh and humbert humbert the lead character played by james mason the movie is classic unreliable narrator Mm -hmm. um so you don't quite know what to believe about what he's saying about his relationship with uh lolita uh but the uh it's the story of a uh, a college professor uh who's renting a room uh from this middle-aged uh widowed housewife played by shelly winters and he uh becomes obsessed with her teenage possibly daughter she's 12 in the book but more like 14 or 15 in the movie yeah they said that they they because of the ratings the um the haze what is that called? haze code the haze code they had to make her a couple years older so even though it's never said or confirmed verbally how old she is <clears throat> when they were making it it was assumed that she was 14 or 15. Yeah. I'm not sure if the Hayes code was still in effect at that time because that's more, it was before the rating system, before the rating system. Definitely. Cause that started they in the said, late. I just 60s. read something about it. They said something about the Hayes code, but maybe okay. it said post Hayes code. Okay. Pre rating system or something. But also Shelly Winter's last name is Hayes in this. So confusing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, Shelly Winters, uh, eventually gets hit by a car and dies. <laughs> And, uh, he becomes the de facto stepfather to Lolita. And the movie is kind of about his obsession with her and, uh, how pathetic he is and how he tries to control her life. And, uh, he has a rival for her affections, Claire Quilty, played memorably by Peter Sellers in the movie. And, uh, this is a very entertaining movie, I think. It's, it's kind of a black comedy. Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, it really puts the LOL in Lolita. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> the lol. But, but I think the, uh, the presence of, uh, Peter Sellers and James Mason's performance, 
uh, is just fantastic. And, uh, it's a great comic performance, I think. So this is a surprisingly entertaining movie in my mind. Okay. What about in your mind, Carla? Um, it is, it's, it is entertaining. Yeah, it was fine. Gosh, I wish that I hadn't have said how I felt about it last week. Cause I just. You're on record. I know. Cause now I'm, now I'm proving to be an unreliable narrator. <laughs> um, I didn't think it was amazing or great. Okay. It was fine. Just fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's, okay. So now let's go into it. Oh, when was the first time you saw it? We have to do that section. Well, I, uh, I believe I was on a Kubrick kick in high school. Uh, definitely the Kubrick sh- kick. Kubrick kick. It's, it's fun to say. <laughs> Craig Kukowski on a Kubrick kick. <laughs> Kukowski on a Kubrick kick. Uh, Shining was probably the first one I saw, maybe 2001. But I think in high school, when I really started to get into Kubrick, uh, I started watching all of the older black and white movies as well. And there's four Kubrick movies on the list. This is the first oh, that we'll be boy. talking about. So we, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, with this guy. Uh, so I probably watched it when I was around 17, maybe a senior in, in high school. And I remember, uh, my friend John, I, I think I was watching it with Andrew, uh, who comes up a lot, uh, on this podcast. And our friend John sat down and started watching that first scene with, uh, Quilty and Humbert, uh, where Humbert, uh, shoots Quilty and murders him. Uh, and, uh, I remember my friend John saying, this is clearly one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> Just based on that ping pong match between That's Humbert funny. and Quilty. But definitely we would have already loved Dr. Strangelove at that time, which this is very similar in tone and very similar in that Peter Sellers playing multiple roles. Mm-hmm. Peter Sellers is three different characters in Dr. Strangelove. Here he's one character, Claire Quilty, but Quilty is kind of like, uh, playing different characters, playing different characters throughout. So you get to see Peter Sellers improvising uh in different voices which is very pleasurable um there's that word again it's interesting to me that so many of these movies that are questionable (laughs) you saw when you were like 18 17 18 19 20 sure this is the best time to get in get in early (laughs) (laughs) all right um so here's my thought on this film after kind of reading a little bit about it Kubrick decided to open with the final thing of the novel, which is Humbert killing Quilty, mm-hmm. shooting Quilty. Yeah. And he decided to put that at the top of the film because he felt like the novel and the story lagged after Humbert and Lolita sleep together halfway through. So he wanted to keep people like feeling like so- something was coming, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh God, that something was happening. <laughs> I wasn't going to touch it, Carlo, but that, you know, that there was going to be a payoff. Mm-hmm. You, you get it. A climax. Right. Okay. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> so he opened with a, an explosion a of, of activity. I would have preferred not to know that Quilty died until the end. Yeah. Cause it would have been more satisfying since I already knew that. I kind of felt like I knew where it was going the whole time. So that's my first thing with it. Okay. The second thing, the second problem that I have with it, and I am older now, <laughs> probably saw this 10 or 12 years ago. Um, when you're 18, 19. Right. Uh, so the whole, the whole thing with 
so reading about the novel, which I haven't read, I just read about it on Wikipedia, <laughs> that it's about this like mentally ill man, and he is obsessed with girls, with young girls before before he ever meets Lolita. Yeah. So he is a mentally ill person, and he was in a couple insane asylums even before he meets Lolita. Yes. And he has this obsession with young women before Lolita. They don't talk about any of that in the movie. So therefore it feels in the movie, like it's saying it's Lolita's fault. Cause she's just so magical and such a seductress that it like changed this sane like, cause James Mason uh, appears to be a pretty normal person at the top. Like they don't give you any indication that he's, something's wrong with him. He's very charming and he's very, he's very intelligent. So it feels like the movie, whether they meant to do this or not, the filmmakers are saying, stay away from young, sexy girls or they'll turn your world upside down. And that's the biggest problem that I have with the film as, as an older woman uh, approaching middle age, watching it and understanding how the world works. <clears throat> I don't know if that's what it's saying. Uh, it gives no indication at all that he is a pedophile or that he has any fixation with young women until he meets Lolita. And I guess in the novel, and you read the novel, I didn't. Yes. There's this whole other thing with another young girl who ends up dying and he becomes obsessed with her, right? Y yeah. The first girl that he has a sexual encounter with, she dies. Uh, and then so he's kind of like locked into like 14-year-old girls after that. Yeah. And then the f the f when he moves to this town, the first place that he – lives in he chooses because there's a 12 year old girl in the household and it's not lolita's house it's a different house so right that's in, in the this, book yeah yeah even in this town he picks this place <clears throat> to live that has a young girl in it and then he goes to lolita's house second after the house burns down or something this is what i read about the book oh, yeah. so it's like very clear in the novel of like this man is unbalanced this is not normal behavior he has a pattern of this and in the movie he walks out on he's like not gonna live in this house with Shelley Winters he doesn't like her he doesn't like the house he walks out into the backyard and he sees Lolita sitting there in her um, bikini and he's immediately like yes I'm gonna live here now as though like she has some magic spell like an evil seductress kind of seductress kind of role I don't know that's my thought on it Craig you asked well that's why we do this podcast right. to, get, to get your thoughts. So isn't that kind of shitty and weird that they did that in the movie? <laughs> well, I, here's what they can't do. They can't do what's in the book in 1962. Uh, and I think the movie stands on its own as something that is great that is separate from the book, which is also great uh, in its own way. But there are several departures, uh, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, I think – because you see Humbert and Lolita coexisting in this, it can't be unreliable narrator, uh, because you, you do get more of a sense of her as a character and she's more, uh, of a vague figure in the, in the book, or you only get his take on who she is. Uh, but I, I think he, he is a pathetic character. Uh, and I, I think a lot of the, what makes the movie great is just seeing what a squirmy performance that James Mason gives. And I, I, I think, I don't think he comes across uh, as a good person, uh, at all. And I, I don't think he's transformed by her. I think he's just kind of this sh shitty guy. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> I, I disagree. He comes off as very charming and normal anytime anybody meets him or has an, any interaction with him. I mean, as the movie goes along, that starts to fade away because that's a movie, I guess. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, towards the middle, people start to question his relationship with her more and that sort of thing. But at the top of the film, he seems like everybody likes him. Like he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but everybody I think, wants to be his friend. I think that's a facade that he's putting on. I think one of the most telling scenes of the movie is when, uh, Shelley Winters, uh, you know, falls in love with him right away, uh, and wants him to kind of settle down with her and he does everything to kind of keep her at arm's length. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but he wants to stick around because of his obsession with Lolita. So she sends Lolita to camp and writes him this love letter confessing, uh, her feelings for him and tells him of like, leave now, go away because I never want to see you again because I love you too much. And he reads this letter out loud to himself. He's at home and he starts laughing at her and, and mocking her. And it's a really kind of chilling moment where you see like what's really in this guy's heart. Sure. Yeah. I don't disagree, but I just feel like there was an opportunity to present Lolita more of a vic- more as a victim and in the movie, she very much seems like she's in control of everything that's happening. Yeah, I think. And that's weird. Uh, Sue Lyon plays Lolita. She was 15 at the time uh, that they shot the movie. It feels, I'm so sorry to belabor this, but just give me this one second. Sure. Because I'm trying to really explain what I'm <laughs> Absolutely. It feels like they're presenting it like she, uh, she made him crazy in the movie. Did I say that properly? Yeah. Like her, like she's so charismatic and she's so sexy and she's so fuckable <laughs> that, she, that he like goes crazy because of it as opposed to him. So therefore it doesn't feel like she's a victim in the film because she's manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that's one of the things I like about Sue Lyon's performance in it is that she has to alternate between being like seductive, manipulative, kind of then kind of blank and cold and then being kind of, uh, a, a typical teenager of being histrionic, mm-hmm. uh, and mean and selfish. So she kind of can turn on a dime constantly, uh, throughout the movie. Yeah. I thought she was great. I mean, I thought he was great too. The performances were really. I feel really torn about it. Like I don't, yeah, I mean, it's a well-made film. <laughs> it's interesting. It's entertaining, but it's ultimately about a, a middle-aged man sleeping with a 15 year old. I don't know. I feel, I feel torn. What? I feel, I feel torn about this being on your top 100 as well. <laughs> well, wait till we get to Manhattan. Oh boy. I have lots to say about Manhattan. Okay. Well, that's going to be a while. (laughs) So you'll have plenty of time to organize your thoughts before then. Start doing research now. Let me talk about things that I did like. Okay. Okay. Let me think for a second. (laughs) Uh, I love Shelley Winters in this movie. I think she's really great. And again, all the performances are awesome. Uh, But Shelley Winters is really funny and crazy and heartbreaking. You actually asked if she was a stand-up comedian, uh, which she wasn't, not to my knowledge, but she's she's very funny in this, and she was more of a method actor. Yeah, I re- and then when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, she was roommates with Marilyn Monroe. I remember reading about that. Yeah. 
and how they like studied with Strasburg. Yeah, she's the typical like suburban housewife uh, who is trying to appear more like cultured and erudite than she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but she really, there's a sweetness to her, but also kind of like, kind of a vulgar, like, naivete mm-hmm. to her. And so, like, the tension between James Mason being kind of like European and educated and, uh, and Shelley Winters as this housewife is just like a really nice pairing. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> um, but even she blames Lolita when she finds out that he married her just to be close to Lolita because she reads his diary. She gets angry with Lolita as opposed to, I mean, she's angry with him, but she blames Lolita ultimately, which is really sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's people, uh, people are afraid of, uh, the sexuality of young girls, right? That's just how society works. And I think especially back then, I mean, it's making me think a lot. And I'm glad we're having this conversation, I guess. So I guess it's an effective film in that sense. But, uh, you're not, <laughs> you're not sure that if Kubrick is on the same side as you. Yeah. In I don't terms know. of what he was saying. I don't yeah. know what his intent was. He, and reading, again, reading about it, he said that he probably wouldn't have made it if he had known how hard it was going to be to get past all of the censorship of the, of the material. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. it's, it's strongly suggested that they're having some sort of sexual relationship, but there's nothing right. that's shown that indicates that. And you have to kind of like read past the coded language, uh, in order to, to do so. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of deft actually how they're able to be that suggestive in, in 1962. Right. The tagline for the posters and for the trailer was, how did they ever make a movie of Lolita? Right. Uh, and uh, apparently this movie did quite well at the box office, which is kind of surprising because uh, nobody under 18 could see it, I guess, though there wasn't a rating system in place at the time. One more thing on Shelley Winters, by the way. This was the era where men loved to murder Shelley Winters. <laughs> did you ever see A Place in the Sun? No. A Place in the Sun is uh, Montgomery Clift uh, falls in love with Shelley Winters. Uh, or not falls in love. They just kind of like, they hook up, he gets her pregnant and then he falls in love with Elizabeth Taylor and then he murders Shelley Winters. Oh God. And then you saw the night of the hunter. Yeah. Was she in that too? Yeah. The night of the hunter. That's what I'm confusing this with. Really? Cause it, oh yeah. Cause she has kids in that one too. Yes. And a guy marries her (laughs) for her money and then she dies and he tries to kill the kids or whatever right yeah well she's uh oh that's right she's the widow of the of his prison roommate his cellmate right. roommates is what they call it uh and then he's uh he's got some money uh the peter graves character uh that he had stolen that he had hidden in his house so robert mitchum who's one of the most evil characters in movie history uh marries her to try to find the uh the money and then ends up murdering her Right. I remember that. Yes. We just saw that last year. We saw that at, uh, with the blackers. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Cause I, I had a memory in my mind of like her having a difficult relationship with a director. Okay. And it was, I think the behind the scenes footage from that film where he like, that's right. Charles, haunted her and Charles Lawton her. was the director for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And like really was abusive to her. Yeah. 
And Humbert doesn't murder her in this movie, but he he almost does. He's yeah. thinking he's talking out loud about murdering her while holding the gun yeah. and thinking of how he could pull it off, which is another kind of chilling scene. But then as he's about to do it, she runs out of the house and gets hit and killed by a car. Which I thought was a really cool moment too. Like that's a really interesting storytelling technique to set you up for one thing and yeah. then another thing to happen. He's approaching the bathtub and then he opens the door and then she's not in the bathtub and then he gets a phone call and he's like, and he yells up to his wife and he's like, this man is on the phone that says you're, <laughs> says you've been hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's ridiculous. And then, and then he goes outside and, and sees her uh, dead body. Yeah. Where was she running to? I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Um, yeah, that was a pretty cool part. Cool, cool. Uh, so you liked James Mason, Shelley Winters, and Sue Lyon. Did you like Peter Sellers in this? I didn't. <laughs> I thought that the use of this character was really weird. And it was something I didn't remember from the first one, so I must not have loved it then either. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think it's strange how he shows up and does these voices. And every scene that he comes in and does, he like plays characters throughout the movie um, to kind of torment James Mason, like he's on to him with Lolita. Lolita's really in love with Peter Sellers, we find out at the end. So they've had this kind of side thing going on the whole time. Yeah. So he keeps showing up to get James Mason's character to do stuff. And somehow Humbert doesn't remember him from any of these previous encounters, too. But they're always like these, every scene was really long and it's just kind of Peter Sellers like monologizing with a weird voice. Oh, I love it. I'm sorry. I don't love love it it at all. I love it so much. I know I'm supposed to. People love Peter Sellers. I've never seen any big Peter Sellers roles. I don't think. You know what movie I love with Peter Sellers? Is The Party. Is that what it's called? Oh, The Party is fantastic. You guys, everybody listening, go watch The Party. It is so (laughs) fucking crazy and awesome. I could watch it right now. Yeah, but he's Indian in that. He's doing like an Indian accent. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if that would play this day. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's funny. <laughs> but he barely talks in it, really. It's well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. In my memory, he doesn't really say anything Yeah. in that movie. And it's all just about the like the clothes yeah. and the <laughs> the set. It's like sick, the 60s. Yeah. Uh, and it's prime. It's, uh, what's the guy's and name? Weird music. Yeah. Blake Edwards. Yeah. Uh, who did a lot of the... Peter uh, Sellers movies. Is uh, that on your top 100? No, it's not, but I love that movie. Um, Blake Edwards, of course, did all the uh, the Pink Panther movies with uh, Peter Sellers as well. So you've never seen an Inspector Clouseau movie? I have not. And I've never seen Dr. Strangelove. We will be seeing that one. I've never seen Being There. Isn't that him? Being There is one of the great performances of all time. So to be fair, I know that I've not seen a lot of the um standard i love peter sellers roles yeah that now everybody he, talks about he's somebody who is supposedly just a horrible person in his real life as oh well. i did see that jeffrey rush movie <laughs> and i was right. like this guy's a nightmare yeah uh, that was a that was a terrible <laughs> a piece of shit a this terrible hbo biopic by the way uh 
HBO has all of these like boring movies uh, that are based on real life. And that, girls. That was one of them. Girls. <laughs> oh, the worst about this girl, Hannah Horvath, who really lives in New York right now. <laughs> but yeah, I guess Peter Sellers was just like horrible to all the women in his life. And he was just kind of like a, uh, a cipher. Uh, and I think he admitted that he had like no personality himself and that he would just disappear into these <sighs> characters. Uh, but his ability to just do a voice, become a character and he improvised a lot of his dialogue in Lolita and you can really see, I think I saw this. It feels this- like it. It feels like a Judd Apatow movie <laughs> like, where you're like, all right, somebody needs to edit this dialogue. <laughs> Apatow, of course, the modern day Kubrick. Don't we have right, like writers on this film? (laughs) (laughs) I like it because Quilty is kind of like unpredictable and, uh, kind of keeps Humbert on his guard and Humbert doesn't know how to react to him. And I think I caught a couple times of James Mason breaking in this. Really? Uh, Like he pulls it off really well, I think, but, uh, or just getting pissed off at Peter Sellers. Yeah. You know? And, but you can see James Mason, like not quite, not quite knowing when to get his lines in, in reaction to, uh, to Peter Sellers. Another thing that I read is that Kubrick would shoot Sellers with two or three cameras because he did everything on the, like the first take was gold and then Sellers usually wouldn't have anything else to say after the first take. So he tried to just like capture him from as many angles as possible for coverage. Wow. Uh, and so, uh, he would just riff and riff. And then the character, Dr. Strangelove specifically, uh, is very close to the psychiatrist that Quilty plays where he uses a German accent, uh, and, oh, uh, and comes in. I'm not going to like that movie then, I don't think. <laughs> well, that character appears very late in the, in the movie. Uh, Peter Sells is just great in uh, in Doctor Strange. It's your word for it's it. one of my favorite performances. What of if all I time. skip Doctor Strange? No, I no. have I have all my skips still. Yeah, but you're not gonna use those skips. Come on, <laughs> come on, skip. What else did I like about this movie? I liked the costumes. The mm-hmm. style is very fun. It's an era you like a lot. Early sixties. Yeah. And, Carla loves uh, Mad Men, guys. <laughs> Who doesn't? I like a lot of I like a lot of things, not just Mad Men. Um, what else did I like? I liked the driving sequences in the car. Why is that? I don't know. I thought they were. It was fun to watch him kind of lose his mind, <laughs> driving uh-huh. around, trying to drive her to a different cities so that nobody would catch them. Yeah, I mean it. It almost becomes farce yeah. after a while. Yeah. Uh. It. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to forget the how disgusting the nature of the relationship is, but the idea of like a jealous guy trying to protect uh the the lady he's in love with, uh, like there's kind of like farcical right uh comedy that comes out of that. Yeah. Um. What else did I like? That's it. <laughs> There's the theme song Lolita Yaya, which is how did uh, that go? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember that from the movie? We just finished watching. I this do, movie. but it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I think you woke up all of the neighbors. <laughs> and all the animals are looking at me right now. 
Well, uh, let's see what you said during this movie, Carla. Let's, let's see. Let's get into some. Let's hear. Let's get into some CQs. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's clothes. Uh, I love the opening titles, by the way. The opening titles is just a close-up of Lolita's foot uh, with him painting her toenails uh, with the little cotton balls between her toes. Uh, so the, the opening title is going to set the tone right away. And uh, Carla on Lolita's foot said, Gross. That's a baby foot. Gross. <laughs> gross. That's a baby foot. It couldn't have looked more gross, like a girl's foot. Gross. <laughs> and that was one of the images that when I was reading about this, that Kubrick wanted people to understand that they were sleeping together to get around the censors. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to show him painting her toenails so everybody will know they're having sex. Right. Cause since I can't show them having sex. That's uh, only somebody who's having a sexual relationship would do that. You've never painted my toenails. Well, <laughs> let's get into the next Carla's quote, which is, you've never painted my toenails. <laughs> you've never painted my toenails. I'd vomit on you if you did. <laughs> Why would you vomit on me? Because I don't want you touching my toes. <laughs> well, it seems like you're having two conflicting thoughts there, which is you want me to show my devotion to you. By painting your toenails, and right. yet you'd, you'd be disgusted to have me around your toes. I'm a complicated person. I'm not just one thing. <laughs> You're many things. <laughs> you are volumes, Carla. Uh, there's a little disclaimer, which is standard. Uh, I think to this day they have it of like, no, you know, this is a work of fiction and these characters are not supposed to resemble anybody living or dead. But for some reason it's in the opening titles in small print and Carla made me go back and look at it. And on the disclaimer, she said, they want to be sure that you know it's not true. So Stanley Kubrick doesn't get in trouble. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I just love the opening sequence, regardless of whether it should be at the beginning or the end. Because, uh, again, like Quilty is, is uh, drunk or pretending to be drunk and kind of keeping him on his guard and they play this ping pong game. Uh, and uh, there's also a when he stands up from the chair, he's got the uh, blanket wrapped around him like a toga. He says, no, I'm Spartacus. You're here to free the slaves. Yeah. And uh, Kubrick's previous movie, of course, was Spartacus. Oh, so weird. That's, that's a little I will say that. that was probably my favorite Peter Sellers the opening scene. scene. Yeah, the opening yeah. scene. He seems the most natural. Yeah. Uh, you said Quilty is a weird name. Yep, because it is. You also didn't realize at the end of the movie that James Mason's name was not just Humbert, but Humbert Humbert. I didn't understand until I saw the ending credits. Why would they do that? <laughs> <laughs> James Mason pulls a gun on Peter Sellers and is threatening him, but uh, Peter Sellers doesn't really react to it. And Carla said, he's cool under pressure. <laughs> And then Quilty starts fucking with Humbert and uh, and <laughs> Carla said he needs to focus. <laughs> He's got a gun on him. He <laughs> needs to get out of here. On James Mason. His voice is even creepy. It is. <laughs> Why would you say that about my voice? It Carla? sounds like you want to stick a needle in my eyes when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I just love to stick a needle in your eyes. Creep. Uh, when Shelly Winters first appears, I feel like this is a role that would be in my wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, she references that she has a maid, 
Uh, and she says, the colored girl comes three times a week. And Carly said, ew. Yeah. <laughs> Can't uh, escape it in this, these old movies. There racism. were, there were three quotes that you said so many times that I, uh, I just, I'm just have to lump them together. Really? Yes. Uh, gross, ooh, and yikes. <laughs> Not ooh, ew. Ew. Yeah. Ooh indicates ooh. <laughs> so ooh is O O H. Yeah. And you're saying E E E E E W? Yeah. Okay. I'll make sure to write that down correctly in the future. Ew. <laughs> uh, the rent is 200 a month, including meals. Carla said, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good deal. Not in Los Angeles in 2017, folks. Nope. Try to get your meals included. No way. Uh, <laughs> they cut. Oh, uh, here's some great visual storytelling by Kubrick. Right after he... Uh, moves in with them. They cut to them at a drive-in movie and, uh, there, and there's a scary moment in the movie and both of she, he's sitting in between Sue Lyon and Shelly Winters and they both reach for his hand at the same time. Oh yeah. And then he kind of pushes away Shelly Winters hand, puts his other hand on top of Lolita's and then Shelly Winters reaches over and, uh, takes her hand off, off of his, uh, or takes yeah. his hand off of hers and, uh, it's just a, a great way of like a 30 second, uh, visual only sequence for Kubrick to kind of show you where the relationship is. Uh, they cut to the school dance and Carla said, prom, huh. proms always look more fun in movies than they really were. <laughs> <laughs> they meet this other couple of, uh, locals who are kind of, uh, maybe a little sexually forward and kind of indicating that, uh, they want to swing. They might want want a wife swap. They want to exchange keys. Yeah, with Humbert uh, and Mrs. Hayes. And uh, you said, did she just say that she'd swing with them? Hubba hubba, we're not going to the right dances. <laughs> <laughs> did I ever tell you about the time that my college boyfriend and I were approached in the uh, Old Navy? <laughs> <laughs> I think I would remember this story. Oh my god, I'm just remembering it now. Couple, couple of swingers approach you in the old yeah, navy. Yeah, we were at an old navy in Cincinnati. He was visiting me, like mm. we were on college breakers, summer of the breakers, sexiest thing. places. <laughs> and we were like, he needed a t-shirt or something, so we went into old navy and we were just shopping. And these, this couple, I think the woman came up first. And started talking to me and I was like, oh, hey, nice, blah, blah, blah. I'm being friendly. I forget what she was asking. I think maybe she was asking like if there was a place to eat around there or something. All of a sudden we're in this weird conversation with her where she's like being overly familiar. And then her husband walks up and and she's like, so do you guys want to – would you be interested in coming with us? And we were like, huh? She's like, yeah, we're always looking for new friends. And we were like, I got to get out of here. By the way, we had only had sex with each other at that point. So, and it was probably really bad. And I'm sure our eyes you were closed. You mean that you were each other's first? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure our eyes were still closed <laughs> while we were doing it. <laughs> Your eyes were wide shut. Like we were 19. Your or eyes were wide shut. I Carla. was a late bloomer. Um, anyways. And wow, then, what a missed opportunity. It took us like weeks to get over it. It was the only story we could tell for a really long time. There's some freaky people in Cincinnati, <laughs> right? Mm, yes. 
L.A., everybody's very conservative. And, you know, <laughs> but I've never been approached by the, with another. That's what I'm saying. Like, that was your chance. That was my one chance. Yeah, you get one Darn swinging it. opportunity in your life. Oh, that's a good story. I have to flesh it out a little more. <laughs> well, Craig's listeners, you can judge that. Uh, are you going to turn it into a one-woman show? No. Okay. Maybe would... a short film. <laughs> <laughs> Which may make it in the future on a Craigslist. It doesn't list. have an ending because we didn't do anything. Well. We ran. <laughs> yeah, find, it, find an ending. <laughs> we did get a t-shirt. <laughs> I got approached by a couple to swing in Old Navy and all I got is this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> okay, back to the dance. Uh, I love uh, Peter Sellers and his uh, girlfriend, uh, Quilty and his girlfriend show up at this party and do some really 60s dancing. Here's what I don't understand about the Peter Sellers character. Mm-hmm. He's like a writer? Yeah, he's referred to as a TV writer. Okay, so everybody's obsessed with him in this town because he's from this town, right? Yeah. For some reason, he comes and he's like clearly New York guy because he has like cool glasses and a cool suit and everything. Yeah. So he comes back to this little dance in this in his hometown and he brings this crazy woman with him. Like a, a vampire hipster woman. Yeah, a vampire hipster woman. Okay, so that's kind of believable, right? <laughs> sure. But then he just keeps showing up at other places. So, so then the next time we see him, it's at this hotel after the mothers died. Yeah. They're somewhere on the road. Yeah. Humbert had, this is where Lolita and Humbert sleep together for the first time. Yeah. There's a quilty's there just by just randomly chance with his vampire woman. Yeah. And this is when he realizes that Lolita and Humbert are hooking up. Okay. And so he starts to follow them all around. So then the next time we see him after that is pretending to be the school psychiatrist (laughs) in a totally different town. In Ohio, like hours and hours away from where they were, like he followed them there. Yeah, and he's the school psychiatrist. And then he's after directing we, the school play, after we see that, we see him, but he's posing as a photographer at the school play. Right, he's not even acting like the director. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck is this TV writer doing, following this girl around the country? And again, all you're left with is, well, she must be magical. She's a seductress. All everybody just sees her and wants to have sex with her. And she's 15. And you're just like, what? What? I think it's about two creepy guys. And Quilty is even creepier than Humbert. Uh, all right. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, it doesn't I, make sense how he keeps showing up. It I really bugs me. The weirdness of it. I mean, this movie is so weird for something that Hollywood made in 1962. Uh, I, I think that's part of why I like it is, is the quirkiness of it. Very David Lynch, right? Very Lynchian. Oh, my fave. Or Kubrickian. Uh, anyway, that character's name of the girlfriend is Vivian Darkbloom, uh, which is a anagram for Vladimir Nabokov. Oh, I was thought it was an anagram for venereal disease. <laughs> <laughs> Vivian Darkbloom. I seriously venereal thought you were going to say that. <laughs> I was like, VD, VD. What could VD be? Oh. Well, anagram is when you completely rearrange all the letters. Oh. Yeah. What is it when it's just the first initials? <laughs> an acronym? An acronym. Yeah. Anagram. Oh, okay. So VD is an acronym for venereal disease. Right. An anagram. Is, so you take all the letters in Vladimir Nabokov, rearrange them. Interesting. Like Alec Guinness is genuine class. 
Oh, of course he is. <laughs> what is Carla Kakowski? Listeners, please write in with your Carla Kakowski anagrams. Crack cow. Yeah, Kakowski is very tough to do anagrams off of. Like too many K's and C's in there. Uh, but you said, do you like it when women dance like that? And, uh, and then as Mrs. Hayes is kind of like coming on to Humbert, uh, you said he's giving off all the signals of I'm not into you, lady, and she's not picking up on any of them. <laughs> I said, okay, so this is not at that dance. This is after they've gone home. That's right. Yeah. And she's trying to seduce, uh, yeah. the, the mom is trying to in seduce. Like a leopard him. print dress. Yeah. She comes out. She's like, this is, I feel more comfortable. How do I look? And then she starts dancing, like just shaking her boobs. Oh, that's right. That's the <laughs> And dancing. I was like, Craig, you like that. <laughs> And and she was like rubbing herself on Humbert, and he sure. was clearly like wanting to puke. I say that too much. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Lolita comes in, kind of ruining the seduction. And Shelley Winters goes crazy and starts screaming at her. And Carla said, "Stop yelling! Stop yelling! Stop yelling! Shut up!" Oh my gosh, her voice is the worst. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's supposed to be a pretty grating yeah. character, uh, but I think Shelley Winters is clearly willing to like go far, uh, and making the character kind of obnoxious. Uh, then Carla said she's like pissed that she did not get laid. She was. <laughs> Even the next morning she woke up and she was still pissed about it. She was just starting yelling, yelling at Lolita. I feel drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I can assure you that Carla is not drunk. She's, she's drinking coffee. And my work is mug. Yeah, work juice, work juice. I don't know what that is. Uh, but you're, you're slurring your words. I know. What's <laughs> happening? It's too early. Uh, after Lolita goes to camp, there's a scene of him kind of lying on her bed, like sniffing her bed sheets. Oh. And Carla's like, the maid's like, um, excuse me and get out of her room, you fucking creep. Yeah, the maid comes in and it's just like, why isn't she yelling at him to stop being a creep on the bed? Then he reads that love letter from Shelley Winters and starts laughing at it. And Carla said, he's insane. I dig the chest hair, though. <laughs> what is it about chest hair? Just a little bit of chest hair exposed, Yeah, those tufts like, really drives me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's sexy. Right now, I'm pulling down the top of my shirt <laughs> to reveal voluminous chest hair. But you like James Mason's in particular. Yeah, I don't know. Any guys. <laughs> just like show a little bit of chest hair at the top unless they have like gold chains and gold <clears throat> teeth too <laughs> we will be doing an- another james mason movie uh you didn't hear I, anything I just said. yeah gold chains and gold teeth you know <laughs> <laughs> i don't always have to react directly to the last thing you said yes you do if you're a good improviser you would <laughs> i'm not a good improviser that's the biggest shame in my life i'm a fraud i teach it for a living what james mason movie see i was i can't tell you i can't tell you that that that's coming up later but it's stars born uh he is so good in a star is born though uh but it's not on the list but james mason and judy garland in that movie uh two of the best performances of uh classic hollywood james mason also the villain in north by northwest oh yeah that's the one on the list uh that's not on the list. What? Uh, no. I love North by Northwest. It's on the second hundred. Is The Rope on your list? The Rope? Is that what it's called? Rope by Hitchcock? Rope? No. No. I love that movie. That's a good one. That would be on my list. Really? It's really okay. good. Yeah. That's a fucking creepy movie. You guys listening, go see The Rope. These two guys murder a guy 
and leave them in a chest at and their dinner party. Put them in a chest, yeah, and then have a dinner party. And it, it's amazing because it takes it it takes place. There's it's like the longest camera shot up until that time. Yeah, like the first hour or something is just one. Well, it's it's ostensibly all one long take, but what it really is is a but is like seven ten minute takes because that's as long as you could put on a reel at a time. It's really impressive. Yeah. That Hitchcock guy knew what he, he was knew doing. What he was doing. But I'll tell you what, those murderers think they can pull one over on old Jimmy Stewart. They cannot. They cannot. Yeah. Uh, but the James Mason movie we are doing is very late in his life. I think one of the very last movies that he did, and I don't think he get to see his chest hair. Darn. In it. Uh, but I, I think when people talk about the great actors of all time, he doesn't come up enough, and he's real good. Um. Finally, then Humbert and uh, Shelley Winters hook up. And uh, you said their bed looks as uncomfortable as ours. We need a new bed. <laughs> we do. This may not be the time or the place to discuss yeah, it, but I, yeah, we have to get a new mattress. Okay. We you should. Think it's l- we should get the one that is on all the podcasts. Oh yeah, that comes in the size of a fridge. Yeah, and they and you get it for thirty days, and you can just test it out for thirty days, and See, then they'll pick it up. We're willing to do an ad in the middle of our podcast. To <laughs> but get we can't one remember the free... name of the place. Yeah. Lisa? Lisa? <laughs> Are you making up things? There's a place called Lisa Mattresses, right? What's the one that's like on all of the podcasts, you guys? Listeners, write in. Please tell us. <laughs> and it's on Spontaneous Nation all the time. Okay. Well, obviously, we're not going to get picked up by your wolf if we can't remember the names of their sponsors. But I'm just saying, I think I'm going to get that mattress. Okay. I'll put in PFT so Paul gets credit for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, our mattress, our mattress is loaded with dust mites, guys. Loaded. No, it's not. <laughs> it's just uncomfortable. We've only had it for like four years, but I just don't like it. I think it's the, too small. I need a bigger, I need a bigger bed. It feels like the mattress industry is maybe really trying to get you to constantly buy new mattresses, right? It's depressing because then they just sit in a landfill. I can't go there right now. It's too early. <laughs> um, we have a queen size bed. I think I need a king. California king. Yes. I think that's, I think it's time. I think I'm old enough to be able to say like, this is what I want. And I've lived like this other way for a long time. And I'm <laughs> 36 years old and I deserve a giant mattress. <laughs> uh, where were we in local? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, she kind of pouts and says, I'm lonesome. And Carla said, "Uh, get rid of her. Kick her to the curb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also said on Shelly Winters, the style with the robe and the high heels in the morning feels very unrealistic. Yeah. Who does that? People I wouldn't mind movies. if you did that a little more. Come on. <laughs> That's not sexy. There's a long scene where they're in bed together and uh, kind of getting amorous. And he makes lo- me think of Dynasty. Dynasty? Like heels and robes. Sure. Joan Collins. Yeah. Just rolling out of bed. Yeah. Some high heels. I'm sorry. What were you saying? He's lying on top of... Uh, <laughs> on, of on a king-size mattress. <laughs> on a king-size... All you can think about is mattresses now. <laughs> He's lying on top of Shelly Winters in bed while looking at a picture on the uh, nightstand of Lolita the whole time. Oh, yeah. And uh, in this some... This is gross. Yeah, it is gross. Uh, it's disturbing, but I, I think... Uh, I think there's a reference to him losing his heart on too, because she's like, uh, you, you went away for a second there. Yeah. Uh, 
So that that's some of the the most interesting coded <laughs> language in the movie. Um, who says hey? Am I? <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Delete. Edit. Oh yeah, when, when he says he lost his train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> As I have lost my train of thought. Uh, you have Shel- to keep that in. That's funny. But Shelly Winters said, hey, am I on that train? And you said, yes, underneath it as it rolls on over you. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, you may be a feminist, Carla, but you wanted Shelly Winters dead as much as any no, red-blooded American man. Yeah, you want to murder Shelly Winters. You also said there's so many phone calls in this movie. There are. She's on the phone all the time. And feels like a lot of exposition that we don't need to see. Yeah, like she could have just said that somebody called. We don't have to see it. On James Mason, you said... <sighs> are we almost done? <laughs> <laughs> On James Mason, you said, is he German? He sounds like he has a different accent when he's mad. He does. I want you to look that up. I wonder if he was born somewhere else. Born in Germany, raised in England. Are you serious? No. Oh. Because <laughs> all of a sudden, he has started sounding like this. <laughs> and you said you don't do voices. Uh while he's fantasizing about killing her, the, you know, this is one of the, the key moments of the movie. And Carla says, cool wallpaper. Check out that wallpaper. It was so great. <laughs> it had turkeys on it, <laughs> but not like with feathers, like sure. roasted turkeys, roasted like Thanksgiving tur- dinner turkeys. Why would you want? It was cool. Wallpaper. Is it in the kitchen? Do you think? Yeah. It's okay. In the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, well, the, this is, uh, we're going to get a new mattress. We're going to get wallpapers filled with turkeys. Wallpapers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then finally, uh, Shelly Winters realizes the truth that he's obsessed with Lolita and that he hates her by reading his diary. And Carla said, that's why I don't keep a diary. <laughs> I would never want you to read my diary. <laughs> Charlotte, there's a man on the line who says that you've been hit by a car. Weird. Uh, and then after she dies, it cuts to him in the bathtub drinking scotch. Carla said, what a dickhead. <laughs> He's just like chilling, getting his spa day in. I think uh, it's kind of a Kubrick trademark, which is like slightly stilted and cold performances. And the guy who has hit and killed her with his car, like comes in to talk to James Mason. And it's kind of an odd performance, but it feels very Kubrickian. And uh, as you go later through his movies, the performances only get like more creepier. more creepier and stylized to the point where there's very little human uh, affect or emotion in the in them at all. It, like seemed like that was part of his style, uh, and, and that was part of like the multiple takes too of like doing so many takes that nobody could do any acting. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> that was the thing on Eyes Wide Shut, right? Where like they got sick or they were so exhausted because he would just do so many takes yeah. of them crying at each other. Yeah. But apparently they liked working with him, Tom and Nicole. Oh, remember that? <laughs> that was so great. I liked that coupling. You like Tom and Nicole? It worked for me. <laughs> and then things got weird. Yeah. Then moving on to Tomcat. Ugh. And Nick Urban. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Nick Urban. Nick Urban. Kick me to the, the Nick Urban. Uh, 
when we cut to Lolita's camp, do you remember what it was called? Climax Girls or something like that. <laughs> it's called Camp Climax. Camp Climax. Camp Climax for girls. For girls. <laughs> and Carla said, oh my God, what? That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense using that word. <laughs> and when Humbert picks her up at camp, he doesn't tell her that her mom has no. died. For a couple days. He tells her that she's sick in the hospital and they're going on a trip. And so Carla said, what? What's the end game here, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to have to tell her her mom died. Like, that's not something you cannot tell her. Well, he does eventually. He gets to it. Right. But it doesn't make any sense why he keeps it from her for so long. <laughs> uh, when they show Vivian Darkbloom at the uh, the hotel, she's wearing uh, a kind of a, a weird black dress. And Carla said, I think that's a trash bag. She's wearing a trash bag. <laughs> Uh, and then Quilty has this weird conversation with this kind of lascivious clerk at the desk, maybe kind of implying that they're going to have a threesome with him. Yeah. Oh, that was the weirdest part. Yes. Well, you said that was the weirdest scene so far. <laughs> and then you said they both just came in their pants sitting at the reception desk. Quilty and the guy behind the reception are like, I don't understand. I didn't understand that part. Yeah. Like, were they like, we're going to fuck later? I don't know if they're flirting or if they're just kind of having a, uh, you know, a guy's kind of. No, there was some flirting. Winky, winky conversation going on. Yeah. I think that's what they're alluding to. Yeah. That was so strange. I think Kubrick keeps the level of awkwardness so high in this movie. And particularly because James Mason is so uncomfortable about being like kind of found out, uh, as being with Lolita and people knowing what his designs on her. Are so of like he's constantly like knocking over things. Uh, there's this whole scene where he and a bellboy are trying to put together the cot, <laughs> and it's like oh, this yeah. slapstick scene out of a Marx Brothers yeah. movie. Uh, he gets stuck behind these ladies in the hallway of like he tries to reach around Lolita to tip the bellboy of like it's just like all these wonderful physical bits uh, to accentuate his uncomfortableness. Um. Okay, when Quilty is posing as a police detective and talking to him in the hotel, Carla said, this is terrible acting, and this movie's falling apart at the seams for me there. Oh, yeah, Peter Sellers. He just ruined it. Uh, the voice that he's using there apparently is his impression of Kubrick. Because he's like, uh, yeah, I'm not like this. Uh, I'm, I'm just a normal guy. And like, uh, you, you are clearly kind of a normal guy, too. And uh, <laughs> we're just kind of talking like normal guys here. Yeah, it's so fake. It does not feel like a real person. I love that scene so much. You're crazy. This is <laughs> this is incorrect. <laughs> uh, he tries to get in bed next to her after they've had this whole uh, thing assembling the cot with the bellboy. And Carla says, you have a cot. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And then they kind of cut away as she's kind of seducing him. Uh, she says, uh, all righty then. And, uh, and Carla said, yikes. <laughs> With four eyes. It fades out to darkness, implying like they did it. Uh, they cut to them in the car and, uh, Lolita is munching on these potato chips. And th- this is around the time that he's, uh, finally telling her, uh, about, uh, her mom dying. But Carla said, I had chips for dinner the other night. <laughs> Baked lays in case you were wondering. That's why there's so many crumbs in the car. <laughs> I dropped the bag in the cup holder. 
<laughs> I did. I felt so bad because I can't get the crumbs out of your cup holder. <laughs> Why'd you have baked lays for dinner? Because I was hungry and I didn't. And it was late. It was like 11 o'clock and I was coming back from work. So I stopped off at the liquor store <laughs> and I got a bag of baked lays. Uh, okay. And, and no liquor. <laughs> saddest story that's a pretty sad story uh, that's what happens when you go out of town and you leave me alone uh the latter half of the movie there are practically no carlos quotes other than gross you and yikes uh you also said oh this is hurting my stomach um oh i i gotta tell you that one of the people considered for the role of humbert uh-huh. er- errol flynn oh really of in like flynn fame yikes <laughs> You know, said gross. No, because she's a kid. You fucking gross pervert. Yeah. You said this is such a long movie. You said I don't think I saw all of this movie. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> <laughs> and then we out. Those have been Carla's quotes for uh, Lolita edition. Yay! High five, Carla. Carla, you want to give this a letter grade? I don't know. I have to think about it. Let me go with a C. What's between a B minus and a C plus? <laughs> I don't know. You're going to have to invent a new letter grade that doesn't exist. Um, You're saying uh, B minus C plus. Yeah. And that stands for what? Give me an acronym. Um, <laughs> Give me an acronym. Boy crazy. <laughs> it's BC for boy crazy. So you're blaming it on Lolita. Yeah, you're right. That's what that means, I guess. That's what the filmmaker was telling me that I should do. Is that I should blame it on the okay. 15-year-old girl. Okay. So you took the uh took the message. Yep. Uh well, should we do the scene uh where uh Mrs. Hayes and uh Humbert are in bed together and he's looking at the picture of Lolita? Okay. All right. This is Khaki Theater. This is Khaki Theater. <laughs> Is it khaki theater or khaki theater? It's khaki theater. So there's no S. That's correct. Okay. I'm just saying it might be confusing. Khaki's theater is the theater I'm going to open someday. Oh, great. Hmm? Looking forward to that as our retirement plan. (laughs) Okay. Oh, Humbert, you're so good. Well, I'm, uh, I don't know how good I am, dear. Shouldn't we, uh. Oh, hummy. Just hum in my ear. <laughs> look, it just. Hum, hum, hum. Look at my dancing. My boobs. Okay. That's kind of distasteful, dear. I, I'm going to uh, head downstairs and make some, uh, some marmalade toast. No, you can't leave me. Don't ever leave me, hummy. Well, of course I'll never leave you, dear. I'm going to be right here, always. Humbert, come here. Let's make love on this king-size mattress. Well, it's barely a king-size. You're it's, right. It's queen. It's kind of a queen, and it's right here. I'm like, oh, look at this picture here. Yes, that's my daughter. <laughs> yes, I know. I've <laughs> I've lived with you for months. I've lived with you for months at this oh, point. And well, I was just reminding you, because I know when I'm around, it's hard to imagine anybody else around. Speaking of hard. Those are my husband's ashes there in the corner. Yes, I know. When you showed me. <laughs> showed he me died seven room. years ago and left me alone with his monster. I remember. It's kind of creepy that you still have it here. He was a very good man. 
Uh, yes, I'm sure he was. Dear. Oh, the phone's ringing again. Look, could you just shut up for a the second? The phone won't stop ringing. Just well, don't answer it. Hello. Let, let it go to voicemail. Uh, low, Lolita. What do you mean he sent you candy? What do you mean? What do you mean he sent you a picture of himself? Hum. Did you send her a picture of yourself with some candy? Stop calling me hum. Yes, I sent a picture of me with candy. Don't get on my back about it. Uh, well, she wants to talk to you. You really, you have to ask me these things before you do them. You have to ask my permission for everything, okay? Okay, all right. Well, you're starting to sound like Sandra Bernhardt in <laughs> King of Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? But look, I have a very high reference level, okay? <laughs> because I I'm, know, because you're so smart. I'm a professor, yes. Um, Lolita? Oh, click. Uh, you, you Look, you can't just hang up by saying click. <laughs> That's how it works. This is my house. Okay, well, the rules of your house, then. Fine, fine. Oh, I want to murder you so much. I want you to murder... My vagina. Oh, dear God. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a little khaki theater. <laughs> that role is totally in your wheelhouse, Carla. I thought so, too. So in your wheelhouse. Did I really sound like Sandra Bernard? I should have done that voice when we did it. You should have, yeah. Didn't you Didn't you play Sandra Bernhardt when we did, did that? I did. I don't think I did that voice, though. Uh, <laughs> oh, that regrets. Was, well, uh, you sounded a lot like Shelley Winters. That actually was was dead on. That was, was it really? Yeah, that was pretty great. Uh, well, Carla, I'm sorry this wasn't your favorite. It's definitely going to stay on Craig's list. I'm sorry that you ruined my memory of this movie by me watch, making me watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> the Lolita that existed in your mind last week sounds like an amazing movie. <laughs> It's Stanley Kubrick is so strange. I don't know. He is strange, love. Oh, well, because even with Eyes Wide Shut, I remember the first time I saw it, I hated it. And then I saw it again years later and I was like, hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe in 10 years I watch Lolita again and I go back to being like, that was a good movie. Well, after we do our Wes Anderson uh, retrospective, maybe we should do an entire Kubrick retrospective. I want to watch a bunch of Kubrick. <laughs> I really don't. Well, you're, you're going to have to watch at least three more, though you could take your three passes on those three films. I might. I don't if you'd like. Watch, what is it? 2001? I don't want to watch that movie. Uh, two of them like are space movies. I don't like thinking about space. <laughs> <laughs> and tell the listeners, tell Craig's listeners why you do not like space movies. Because it makes me feel insignificant. <laughs> It makes me feel like humans aren't a big deal and like we're pointless. We're not. But we are. This is why you haven't seen Arrival yet. I know. I don't want to be sad. <laughs> I don't want to feel like a little speck of dust in the world. That's what space movies do to me. Although I really like Doctor Who. <laughs> okay. What, what's the difference there? I think it's because Doctor Who loves humans and he thinks that they're really important. And that's why he's always saving Earth. <laughs> Well, how do you feel about movies about uh, a bunch of guys hanging out and eating together? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, let me guess what this could be. A bunch of guys hanging out and eating together. This This, is a Scorsese movie. No, it's not. This is a Barry Levinson movie. This is a 1982 movie. It's the first movie directed by Barry Levinson. I don't think I know any other Barry Levinson movies. Well, he's well known for making movies about his hometown, Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. 
And this movie is set in Baltimore in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, I believe. Came out in 1982. It stars Mickey Rourke, Steve Gutenberg. I've seen this. Movie. Kevin Bacon, Daniel Stern, Ellen Barkin, Tim Daly, Paul Reiser. All at the beginning of the cusp of stardom. Can I just tell you that I love Steve Gutenberg? Well, we can talk about this extensively <laughs> next week. Like, I fucking love Steve Gutenberg. Really? This yeah. is the most controversial point of view you've taken thus far on Craigslist. I hope that I don't change my mind when I watch this movie again. Okay. This movie is called Diner. Diner. This movie is called this. Diner. You've seen it. Did you like it? I don't remember. Okay. What do you remember? I remember that there, uh, Ellen Barkin's in it. That's what I remember. And she she's sure is. real pretty in it. Yeah. Real young. And I remember that Mickey Rourke looks like a human being in it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's like his... a handsome human being where you're like, oh, I get it. He's very handsome in it. Yeah. Before his face went to shit. Poor guy. And, uh, to help us do this, I thought it'd only be appropriate to have a Baltimore native to discuss the works of Barry Levinson. We're going to have Derek Waters on the show. Derek! The creator of Drunk History and somebody who loves Baltimore more than anybody that I know. And since I can't put the wire on my list, uh, we're going to talk about Baltimore (laughs) with Derek and we're going to talk about the movie Diner. Baltimore is the pink ladies, right? Or what are they called? (laughs) The ladies with the big pink hair? The blue, blue haired ladies. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like a, it's like a the symbol. Pink, the pink ladies are it's Rizzo's from gang from yeah. Greece. That's not what I meant. I meant the blue haired. Okay. Like, it's like a John Waters thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're like, uh, cause when I was in Baltimore, the only time I've been to Baltimore, I went to this fair and everybody was dressed up like these ladies. Is that a hairspray reference? Probably. Okay. I don't know. Uh, why do I say things before I think them through? <laughs> Particularly in the last 30 seconds of the podcast. Okay. I'm going to go back to sleep. Uh, Craig's listeners, please tune in and uh, listen to us chat about Diner with Derek. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, and uh, we'll see you soon. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>